Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, and verses 19 to 24. At the end of the reading, I will say, this is the word of the Lord. Please respond by saying, thanks be to God. Matthew 6, verses 1 to 4. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do... You will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one, and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Faye. Good morning, everyone. Let me be the second or third person to apologize for the discomfort that we're having. Um, So, If you're new here or you've not been here in a long time, uh, my name is Femi, and we have been going through a series sometime about the third week of this year. Um, It's called, we called it Citizens of the Kingdom. And that's largely because Jesus described, he came basically saying that he's bringing a kingdom, and his whole ministry was about the kingdom. Now, when he did so, he preached about it, if you go to this um, book that we are reading from, that's the book of Matthew, he preached about it in Matthew chapter 4. But not only did he preach about it, he declared the kingdom, verse 23 and 24, but then he demonstrated the power of the kingdom as well. Now, naturally, what then happened was you got a great speaker, and you also got him um, um, demonstrating fantastic gifts. So crowds gathered around him. And so what he then did was, because crowds can start projecting what they think that kingdom is about, what did he decide to do? He decided to 
teach them about the kingdom. And we see that in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And this teaching is, spans the whole of chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's been famously called the Sermon on the Mount because it was taught on a mountain. All right, now, we've said if we think about it um, like a passport, like a passport identification, passport, uh, international passport, and let's say your passport had 14 pages. This series is really about 14 different ways we can describe the people of the kingdom, because when you describe the people of the kingdom, you're also able to describe the kingdom itself. So today, um, we've done about six. So the first page, we had that the citizens of the kingdom are contrite citizens. On page two, we found that they were persecuted citizens. Page three, that they are missional citizens. Four, they are righteous citizens. Five, they are broken citizens. Six, the restorative citizens, and seven, for today, the one we would all love, they are wealthy citizens. Woo! In other words, if you are in this place and you are not wealthy, sorry, you are not part of the kingdom. I'm just, you know, I just have to say. Well, let me start this way. I don't know if you saw the comedian, well, how many of us know Bobby? Right? If you don't... Okay, if you don't know Bobby, you, you live a very sad life, honestly. Why wouldn't you know Bobby? He's one of the funniest comedians. I recently saw him. Um, he was at a gathering with um, a lot of politicians. And in a bid to encourage these politicians to start to invest in entertainment, you know, Bobby said that, look, the truth is that entertainment, I can say, is more important than politics, at least of today. What was his proof? Three words. Big Brother, Niger. How many of us have been following Big Brother? You saw it this morning before he came to church. I know. I know. You quickly just checked to see what's going on. He said that in the 2015 election, no, 2015 election, we had 27 million people that voted. Last year's final of Big Brother, Niger, you know how many people voted? 20. Nine million people. Yeah, do the math. Two million more people voted. I don't know how that makes you feel. But what he was saying was that, look, entertainment is becoming more important. And in fact, some of the politicians have started to know that. They started to mix entertainment in politics. So, for instance, we have the singing senator. <laughs> and then we have the dancing senator. Don't worry, I'm not going to practice it. The guy is too good. <laughs> so you see, the entertainment and really Big Brother Nigeria is part of a phenomenon that we can call reality TV. Right? Reality TV. And the one thing you should know about reality TV is that it really isn't reality. But Big Brother Nigeria is in a long line of this. And perhaps the first one, and I'm talking globally, the first show that really was showing us a lot of this reality TV, was something that ran from the 80s to the 90s. It was in America, but if you had cable in the early 90s, then you, you probably would have watched it. And it was called Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous. It was a show where you know, the cameras went in, all these people that you'd like to see what their houses look like. You know, these famous people, you go in, you see three swimming pools, a number of jacuzzis, TVs in their toilet. You know, everything was just fantastic. And the, if you like, the purpose for the show was basically this, that the more I saw how these people lived, 
I will be inspired to work in the same way they have to also have what they have. These people have all of this because they're hard workers. That's why there's been a huge enrollment for the next Big Brother Niger. Because you'll see what it is for you to be rich. If we look at the lifestyles of the rich and famous, if I'm not rich and famous, I probably will be inspired to be rich, to work to be rich and famous. Now, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount today, wants us to look into the lifestyle of the citizens of his kingdom. Why? Because the citizens of his kingdom are also wealthy. Now, you would understand this better if we look at it in these three uh, subheadings. One, the lifestyle of the unwealthy. Two, the lifestyle of the wealthy. And three, lifestyle of the wealthiest. Lifestyle of the unwealthy, lifestyle of the wealthy, and lifestyle of the unwealthiest. So, let's start. First point, lifestyle of the, of the unwealthy. Now, in chapter 5, now we're in verse chapter 6, but in chapter 5, we see that Jesus spoke about righteousness three times. In the Beatitudes, he spoke about it twice. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. And then, blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And then later, in verse 20, he says that except your righteousness exceeds those of the Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom. So righteousness was a big thing. And so by the time you get to the opening of this chapter, what does he say? Be careful not to practice your righteousness in a certain way. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in a certain way. Now this, certain, this opening of one, he then further illustrates it with three examples in verse, starting from verse 2, verse 5, and verse 16. In verse 5, he says, don't practice your righteousness in terms of fasting like the hypocrites. In verse 16, he says, don't practice, uh, uh, sorry, uh, in terms of praying like the hypocrites. In verse 16, he says, don't practice your righteousness in terms of fasting like the hypocrites. And here, in verse 2, he says, don't practice your righteousness in terms of giving to the needy like who what? Again, the hypocrites. Hypocrites literally meaning, as I said the other day, the Greek meaning basically it was the, the Greek word there was basically the meaning for actor, right? Somebody who literally um, his the behavior in public was not their behavior in private. And so what Jesus then does is he contrasts the people of the kingdom with those who are hypocrites, and he does that with those three illustrations. In other words, what Jesus is basically telling us straight away is that the fact that you practice actions that are required of the kingdom does not necessarily make you a citizen of the kingdom. Because it's an identity thing first before it becomes a practice thing. You may look like one, but you may, in fact, be a hypocrite. So, just for today, he's going to apply it. Well, not that just for today, he's going to apply it. Just today, I'm just going to look at the issue of the wealthy. So in other words, he's telling us that there are two different types of wealthy people. We are going to have the hypocritical wealthy people or the kingdom people who are 
wealthy. And so he starts off by telling us two ways that we should, uh, two reasons why we should not be hypocrites in terms of almsgiving. Two reasons why we should not be hypocrites. The first is, it ain't smart, and the second is, it ain't right. Let's say that together. It ain't smart, and it ain't right. Really isn't, honestly. If you don't believe me, believe Jesus. I'll show you. All right, let's start with the first one. It's not smart. It's not smart. Now, religious hypocrites, well, you can have a hypocrite, but then you can have a religious hypocrite. So here we're really talking about religious hypocrites. If you notice, it says in verse 2 that, so when you give to the do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets. So these were people that were around in the religious sphere. They were, in our day, they are the people that go to church regularly. They were regular church attendants. They gave. In fact, they are demon casters. They used to fire exorcists. They could pray for very long. They hung around. They did all the religious things. And yet, at the same time, Jesus calls them hypocrites. Why did he call them hypocrites? Verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your... Uh, verse um, uh, 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 2 again. They, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Ooh. In other words, they do it really for the recognition and the applaud of men. Because when they give... And they allow people to know that they give, it gives them access, direct access to the pastor. You don't have to go through the secretary. You have that direct number. The adulation of the poor. Our driver was just recently telling my wife about um, a particular entertainer, singer. I think they were going somewhere, and someone all of a sudden closed the street. And they heard that that guy was there. And they said, ah, that guy is such a nice guy. Because he, was just, he had entered into the banking bank, the banking hall. So he said, when the guy enters into the banking hall, you know that Christmas has come. Because they'll close the street. By the time he comes out, he just throws money. How many of you have seen that? You know the Edo Benin boy that has just made good in Lagos? Well, maybe not Edo Benin. I don't want to say Igbo because he will say I always bash Igbo people, and it's not true. So I'm not going to say Igbo today. The Delta Igbo guy <laughs> that goes back, you know, ah, ah, the boy has made good. He's just opened, he's built his house. And so he gets back into the village. And he comes like a former, one former governor. He comes in one motorcade like this. He's out there. And he's looking at the people. Look at all you poor people. Wait, hold on. He throws the money. He throws the money. And what our driver was saying about this entertainer, I was like, ah, this guy is so good, though. He's so good. He cares for the poor. Why? He was throwing the money. Jesus here is saying he cares for something. It's not really the poor. He cares for the honor of others. You know, in our city, we have, um, it's almost like a mantra, though it's not said. And it is this, basically. It's a relation to money. And it goes something like this. If you have money, or you have, you know, you do things with money, you can't just, what sense does it make for nobody to know about it? So if you make it, flaunt it. 
you know, on your Instagram page, that new car just come. <laughs> it's just like you you take a picture or your Facebook page, you take a picture, you just and you put your hand in the car, you just say, To God be the glory, great things you have done. <laughs> or you ladies, just you are going for a party. Nobody has stopped you. You are going for a party. Okay, today you got one woman to come and do a ghillie. You paid eight thousand. Right? The makeup was another twelve thousand. Everything. Your husband is saying, it's time to go. He said, wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Jesus is great. Good morning, everybody. Huh? If you make it, show it. What's the use of, why is it, why, why can you make it and nobody else will see it? And the second is like unto it, which is, if you give it, show it as well. You've accumulated wealth, let others know about it. You are dispensing part of the wealth, let others know about it. The first one is, I want people to know how made I am. And the second one is, I want people to know how good I am. But it's not smart for a particular reason. It's a terrible investment. Giving in this particular way is a terrible investment. You know, for those of us who are into investing, whether formally you are, you are an investment banker or you've been able to invest over a period of time, we often talk about what you, um, short-term investments and long-term investments. With short-term investments, these are things that you take. It's high risk. The yield may be high, higher, but it is high risk. What you don't do is you don't take your pension money and invest in long term, do you? Yes, in short term, is it? You don't take your children's school fees. When somebody says, ah, this one, I promise you, sure banker. It's called Nospecto. I mean, even that name self should tell you that, man, something good is coming out of it. Don't worry. It will double. You just have to buy a couple of slots. And you get slot. Ah, slot. Say <laughs> slot. Put it inside slot. You say, ah, this one sounds very high risk. It's short term. So you say, maybe I have some spare change. Let me throw it at that. But the money that really matters, you put in a long term investment. And Jesus is saying the problem with this is that this kind of way of dealing with wealth is very, very short. In fact, it is so risky. Verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy or where thieves can break and steal. It can be destroyed or it can be taken away. You see, because if you do good causes for hypocritical um, um, motives, what you are essentially saying is that the greatest reward that I can get is here. This way of thinking does not bring a realistic worldview to wealth. What does Timothy, uh, Paul say to Timothy? He says, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take nothing out of it. But the writer in Ecclesiastes says, Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as, everyone, uh, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. We do everything 
to gain recognition in this world, whereas this world that you came in naked, when you depart, you go with what? Absolutely nothing. All the people who have their names written on different streets, they know nothing about it now, the ones that are dead. You know that. Nam eh? Diazikwe, what's that round? Yeah, Nam Diazikwe in Abuja. That big round road. Isn't Nam Diazikwe? Nam Diazikwe had died how many years after? He didn't know. You see, God's plan is eternal. Whereas our possession of worldly riches and the recognition of men isn't eternal. And so if you spend all your time trying to invest in trying to get the adulation of men and focus your mind so much on earthly riches, you are just being a very, very bad investor. And some of us will say, well, I, I know this, I know this, but I can't help myself. And the second point, because it ain't right. But why isn't it right? You see, the problem is not just that you are doing it. The reason is, it is deeper. Why are you doing it? Well, it's very simple. It's a reflection of who your God is. Look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Or verse 24. You cannot serve both God and money. In fact, 24 starts this way. No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Legosian Christians, we've had a very, very, very tenuous relationship with money. A very bad one. If you listen to, um, ah, no, I shouldn't use this. I won't, I won't use this. I shouldn't use your, your illustration. Sorry, it's an inside joke. Anyway, back in the 70s, the, or even 60s, 70s, the churches that were so involved with money, they lost a lot of their credibility. Well, what we would call the Anglican, the Catholic, and the, what, what we term now the Orthodox churches. Today, now, even as we're advertising some of these things, a couple of people wrote to us. And all they are talking about is, we know what this scam is. It's a scam. You know, just say it. It's a scam. Everything, the religion, as um, Karl Marx said, is the opiate of the people. It is used to control people so that people can get money out of people. Jesus is saying, what we always try to do is to serve God and money at the same time. But if you try and serve God and money at the same time, guess what? There's only one God there is money. And then you try to use the powerful God to be the one that can give you what your true God is. You understand? We are praying to God all the time. Our prayers are filled. You know, we are praying. So we are very, very religious. We are very, very zealous. We are very, very spiritual. But 80% of our prayers is about money. So then tell me, who's your true God? The true God is really a powerful God that is a slave. You've heard the concept of a genie. How many of us watched Aladdin? All right, in Aladdin, Aladdin is this whole story about this um, uh, uh, Arabian uh, urchin who eventually finds this lamp. And in the lamp, they had what you call genies. And a genie has magical powers, can give you anything you want. However, if you find the lamp and you rub the genie and the genie comes out, this powerful being 
is your slave. Absolutely powerful, but absolutely in bondage to you. And so many times we treat this God as this powerful genie that we just need to rub the right way and he will give us everything that we want. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. Jesus says, let me see where your true affection, your true, as he says there, he says you, can, you, will be, you will have to be devoted to one. Let me see where your true love, your devotion is. I'll tell you where your God is. This is why Paul says in 1 Timothy 4 again, sorry, 1 Timothy 6 again, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. In other words, the faith is distorted, the people are deviated, and eventually the people are destroyed. When money is your God, you embrace another religion. But that religion has a God that can only reward you in this life. Quite often, that reward ultimately leads to destruction. In fact, in Colossians 3, verse 5, Paul says a very funny thing. You said, oh, it's just a bit of greediness. You know, we should all adjust. It's not good to be greedy, right? It's not good to be greedy. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. And listen to what he says which is idolatry. The mere fact that we sanctify it with religious practices doesn't change what it is. It only makes it more deadly. Jesus is saying, if you are the kind of person that has all the wealth in the world, you are giving to people here and there, and you are obviously doing it for the announcement of men, he says this, you may think you are wealthy, you are a very poor person. Why? Because it's a very bad investment and you have now started to serve another God. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. All of these different things. In the name of God, because we create this image that God wants us to be supremely wealthy in this present world. Can I tell you that is absolutely untrue? It is absolutely untrue. You cannot serve both God and money. All right. Now, Jesus therefore tells us that we should not chase this kind of wealth nor practice our righteousness in this way. But of course, Jesus is not going to leave us there. He's going to tell us that there is a better way to be wealthy and a better way to act righteously. Point two, life of the wealth, uh, lifestyle of the wealthy. Now, quick caution, don't go too far. Don't go too far because I don't want us to say that because I don't want to be a hypocrite, I won't practice righteousness. You know, <laughs> the best thing is, <laughs> this thing I can see that is really deadly. So let me just retreat. Let me, let me not touch the thing. Because I see false religious actions, me too, I don't want to be religious. Anyone that comes here knows I always say this. This whole thing about Christianity is not a religion, is a way of, is a way of life, forget it. A way of life is your religion. You know that. What is religion is it's a set of 
a, a system that shows us who our God is and then brings about regular patterns and uh, irregular patterns of rules, regulations, and, and a certain lifestyle. Religion is a lifestyle. Somebody who is driven by the religion of money lives his life in a certain way. Somebody who is driven by the true and living God lives his life in a certain way. So the moment you say, I don't want to be religious, you have just embraced the religion of non-religiousness, <laughs> or non-religiosity. Why I say that is be careful. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, he says, it is the love of money that is the root of all evil. He did not say that it is money that is the root of evil. And it is possible that you practice the giving of alms in a way that is hypocritical. That does not mean the practice of giving of alms itself is wrong. If you see what is false religion, you should not say that, therefore, I'm not going to be religious. It means that I'm going to practice my religion in a better way. James says this very simple. In James 1, verse 26, he says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself being polluted from or by the world. In other words, we say this, there is a wrong way to be wealthy, so we should be asking, what is the right way? And Jesus describes that for us. In verse 3 and in verse 20, when in verse 3 it says, but when you give to the needy, you see Jesus did not say, therefore don't give to the needy. He says, but when you give to the needy. Or in verse 20 it says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, again, this is how we should do this thing properly. How should we do this? How do wealthy citizens live? Well, wealthy citizens store up treasures where it cannot be destroyed or stolen because they have an exclusive allegiance to the kingdom. And they are motivated by the Father's heavenly reward. Let me explain that. Now, if you look at verse 21 to 22, you have this fantastic analogy there that I know many of us have read and most of us do not understand. And I still don't understand it myself. So we're just going to skip it, all right? No, of course, I'm joking. But I want to summarize what it's saying. You have the analogy here where it says, for where... Your, uh, so verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then light within you is dark, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Let's understand it. As we are like this now, human beings, and thank God I, I do think everyone I can see in front of me can see if I were to go this way and keep going, getting close to this monitor, I am going to stop. In fact, the fact that I know that there is a monitor here makes me stop, a speaker here, right? How did I know there was a speaker here? I saw it. So because I saw that this speaker is here, I am not going to allow my leg to collide. I'm not going to allow my body to collide with that speaker. Do we understand? In other words, the, the, my eyes are, if you like, a light to illuminate my whole body, to stop my body from going in the wrong direction. My body would only go where my eyes take it to go, isn't it? 
And in the same way, here, what Jesus is saying, I think the King James, King James gets some things right. The King James is really good with this when he says, if your eye be single. He's saying that an allegiance, a focus of the kingdom will keep you from going in different directions. It will keep your body, it will keep your motivations, all of it from going in different directions. If your eye remains single. But if it doesn't remain single and it's being distorted from pole to pole here and there, then your body will, as Paul said, go in different directions that ultimately can lead to your ruin. If you are focused on the kingdom with your eyes, then your body will be full of light. This kingdom where the treasures are imperishable, focus on it. It's again why Paul in Colossians 3 can say this, that if since then you have been raised with Christ, do what? Set your heart on the things where? Above. Where? Because Christ is seated there at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. Colossians 3, 1 to 2. Because once again, Paul is saying it makes sense. Even Peter agrees with, uh, 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 with the Lord Jesus. This is where the gift or the where the treasure is imperishable. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven. Let me tell you something. Where every one of us, as we are seated today, the mere fact that you come, the mere fact that you go out to work tomorrow, the mere fact that you don't give up, is because you have a hope for something, isn't it? Peter said, we are born into a living hope. You have a hope for something. Even when you have stumbled, even when you have messed up, even when the investment went bad, the reason you keep going is you have not lost hope. Most people that lose hope, most people that commit suicide are people that have lost hope. Most people that don't leave their house, or they, they've lost hope. But hope drives us. Now, let me tell you this. Whatever you hope for, ultimately, whatever you hope for, ultimately, is an envisioning of what you think the kingdom is. Why do people at this current moment is um, Canada that is taking everybody away? Huh? Canada is just taking everyone. Why are people leaving their countries and going to another nation? Because for them, one, Nigeria is not an envisioning of the kingdom. I'm not saying whether this is factual or I'm just saying for those people. Nigeria is not an envisioning of what the kingdom can be, what a good lifestyle can be. But when they see Canada, for them, it is an envisioning of what a good lifestyle will be. They have chosen between two kingdoms. And here, Jesus is saying, and I would say, telling us, the church, especially in this city, is that our envisioning of the kingdom has become too earthly. Where we should be looking at Christ seated, you know what we've done? You know what we've done? Where we should be looking at Christ seated, where is Christ seated? Now, what we do is that we don't take our eyes off Christ. Though. 
We still keep looking at Christ. We just bring Christ down. You say, ah, Jesus, that heavenly place is too high for you to sit down. Come and sit down here on earth. I have a very good chair so that we can keep looking at Jesus. And so when we see Jesus brought down to the earth, we, have a, we reconstruct Jesus instead of a heavenly seated, glorified Jesus Christ who promises that eternal rewards, we have brought Jesus down to a comfortable earthly chair and now we ask him, please dispense your reward here for us on earth. The more the church goes in this direction, the more the church becomes compromised in her witness and the more the church loses its reason detriment. The more the church loses the unique thing that the church is meant to bring. Don't get me wrong. Church does other things. We should give, we should try to empower people and all of that. But the church was, our, our main message was never ever to come and just empower people. Our main message was to snatch people from the kingdom of hell and bring them into the kingdom of redemption. Why? Because the ultimate hope that Jesus brought, this imperishable hope, because whatever hope you have in this world can be destroyed. And then what makes you more unique? How many, how many people in the church can give more than Bill Gates? That guy. I don't know his, his, his faith, what his faith is like. But as long as he's here in this earth, God will continue to bless that man. I recently saw um, an interview, and he said he had given over $40 billion of his own. $40 billion of his own. Still fighting a cure for malaria, uh, you know? So many things. God will bless him in this world. But do we have anything that is better than Bill Gates? How many, how much can one church bring $40 billion? We can't compete with that. But we can give something that Bill Gates can never give. That is an eternal reward. Thank you, Femi. Peters and John said, silver and gold have I known, but such as I have I give unto you. And they told the person to be healed who? In the name of Jesus Christ. Guys, as Christians, we must not lose our eternal worldview. The Christian worldview is based on eternity, not just based on this world. If you do so, if your treasure and your hope is focused on the world to come, it doesn't stop you from doing things in this world. Actually, what it does is that you continue to practice acts of righteousness, but now with a different motivation. Because your God's reward is not going to only be in this world, your God's reward is outside of this world, then when you are giving to people, you don't care about what people say. You don't care about the recognition of men. In fact, Jesus described this way. He says, your right hand will not even know what your left hand is doing. The problem is that if our reward is not eternal, if our God is a God in this world, if you give and nobody recognizes that you have given, then it's like you have lost everything. <sighs> After giving all of that, nobody didn't come back and say thank you. <laughs> because your God is still in this world. It's like you have missed the reward of what you have invested in. However, if your eyes are fixed on the eternal reward, as it says in verse 4, let your giving be in secret, then your father who sees what is done in secret will do what? He will reward you. You see, citizens of the kingdom, these wealthy citizens, they are ruthless, and I use that word very, very assuredly, they are ruthless about giving to charity. 
I will say some people here, I, I thank God for some of the people here. Look, there's a lot that goes on in this church. Some of us know that people just gather money and we just, they just give. They just give. Some of them say, I don't even want to know. I don't want them to know who is giving it. That is how to be wealthy. That is how to live wealthily. Because they're not doing it for the recognition. One of the saddest things I heard, a friend of mine who eventually left her church, said she had to leave when they were trying to raise building funds, fund for building a school, and eventually they had a roll call. Now, you know what a roll call is? If you've been in the old churches, right? The old churches, you'll have a roll call for this, the name of this person who served in this, who served, who was in this church. This one, they had a roll call, and the roll call had three levels. The silver, the gold, and the platinum. And the silver was according to a particular amount you gave. But if you gave another amount, it was gold. If you gave platinum. And the person preaching was not like, all oh, you people that complain about this ones that are platinum. You should pray to God such that he will be able to upgrade you from silver to platinum. That was the motivation. Recognition of men. Why? How did that happen? Because they had lost an eternal worldview. Is the building of school a wrong thing? Absolutely not. The motivation to give for that building of school was where the problem was. When you lose an eternal worldview, when your only rewarder and your reward is here on earth, then we can become like this. But the citizens of the kingdom, they give freely. And they do not do it for the recognition of men. Why? Because of the nature of the God that they serve. Remember, it says in the, in the last verse of chapter 5, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. They give in this way. These wealthy people give in this way because their God is the wealthiest one. Their God is the wealthiest one. Point three, lifestyle of the wealthiest. Now, obviously, when I'm talking about the wealthiest, I'm talking about God. You say, oh, Femi, you're telling us that God is the wealthiest of all people. Duh. <laughs> of course. I thought you were a pastor. You've not read Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord and what? The fullness thereof. Everything, the whole world and all the people that live in there. What kind of new, you are dry. Your revelation has really gone down. Or Psalm 50 that says, I have no need of a bull from you. All the goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine. The cattle on the seven hills are mine. We know that. God is so, is immeasurably wealthy. Yeah, but when I say God is the wealthiest one, I'm not talking about that. See, there are other places in the Bible where it speaks about the wealth, the riches of God. Psalm 103 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and what? Abounding in love. Or mercy. Or Romans 2 verse 4 says, Do you show contempt for the riches of what? His kindness, his forbearance, and what? His patience. See, God is rich in many things. But perhaps the best, as described, at least in terms of an expanded way, is when we go to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. Again, it says, because of his great, his great love for us, God who is what? Rich. God is rich. But now he still doesn't talk about material things. He says, God who is rich in what? Mercy. Ah. 
God is rich in mercy. Okay, if this God has so much mercy, what did he do with it? Did he keep it to himself? No. You know what he did with his mercy? Verse 5. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace that you have been saved. God's riches in mercy, what did he do? He used that mercy overflowing and he looked at people who were dead poor in transgressions and sins and said, here, not take a loan, I dash you. Come out! And he made us alive in Christ. And then, further, he then says, and God raised up with, with Christ, and he did what? He seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. This undergirding all of this is this beautiful doctrine we call unity with Christ by faith. That is, what happened to Jesus happened to me. It first happened with Jesus. What happened to us happened to Jesus. Remember, because the children were flesh and blood, he himself took likewise of the same. Jesus is God, but because the people that he wanted to save were human beings, he too became, like them, flesh and blood. But second, because the people were evil, Jesus did not become evil, but the consequences of their evil he took upon himself on the cross. So that therefore, as someone John Calvin said, the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men may become what? The sons of God. So that when Jesus rose again, the rising again from the dead, he looked at Prosper, he looked at Bola and said, you were in the dead, but now you have been raised to life. In Christ, as we put our faith in him, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And he said, now that Christ has ascended, even though you are a citizen of this kingdom, you are still in this world, but as Jesus is in heaven, you are also seated with Christ's word in heavenly places. Far above all realms. That's why in Ephesians 1 verse 3, he can say this, Praise be to God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Please don't turn that verse around. It's exactly what he said there. He said spiritual blessings. Don't make spiritual blessings be higher than material blessings so that that means that if I have all spiritual blessings, then therefore I have all material blessings. Mba! That's not what he's saying. In fact, if you complete Ephesians 2 verse 7, he then says, in order, if you want to see what being seated with Christ does. He says, let me start with verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show, again, that word is coming, the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Listen, Christians, citizens of the kingdom, are wealthy people, period. No comma, no buts. As you are seated here, if you are a Christian, if you are in the kingdom, because of the riches of God's mercy and his grace that has been given to you, you are wealthy. But there is also going to be a consummation of that wealth. In the age that is going to come, when Christ returns, the wealth that doesn't seem obvious to everybody, at that time there will be no more poverty. At that time, in fact, he says, we will be inheritors of the whole world. And there's only one way for us, therefore. If you are truly rich, 
How should you respond? Be rich towards God. In Luke chapter 12, there's a guy who calls Jesus and says, come, please come and divide my, the inheritance between me and my brother. I said, Jesus said, that's not why I came. I'm not a judge now to come and judge between both of you. But be careful of this way that you are thinking. There was once a rich man who actually stored up a lot of wealth. Eventually, he didn't know what to do. He cleared down his bands. And when he finished clearing down his bands, he was going to put the wealth somewhere. He now said, I will tell myself I have been made rich. I have now have so many things. I'm a self-made millionaire, billionaire. So I will now take all the things that I have. I will just be storing them, keeping them, accumulating them, using them for nothing. God said to him, thou fool, your, your, tonight your soul is required from you. What are you going to do? With all of this, Jesus Christ said, therefore, that is how it is, it will be for all those who accumulate wealth to themselves and are not rich towards God. The response that we all must have is to show that we are truly rich towards God. If God has given you this wealth, this spiritual blessing in every place, then you have to be rich towards God because when you are rich towards God, you will be rich towards men. So, two ways that we must be rich towards God. First one is spreading the message that makes us wealthy. Spreading the message that makes us wealthy. If truly your heart is in the treasure and that treasure is in the heavenly realms, are you spreading that treasure? This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. For God who said, the light, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. That's the treasure that we have. The message of the gospel. Then verse 7 says, but we have what? This treasure in jars of clay. To show that the also passing power is from God and not from us. Guys, the most important thing you can give to someone eventually. Yes, it's not that you just go and throw it at their faces. But ultimately as a Christian, the best thing you have, the greatest treasure you have is to tell people about Jesus. Not just Jesus that is nice, but Jesus who came to die for sins and rose again so that he would give us incomparable riches in the ages to come. Two, you should live out the implications of this wealth with our material substances. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Citizens, of the kingdom are very wealthy people. That wealth is expressed in their being rich towards God. And this being rich towards God is expressed in that one, they are not ashamed of spreading this message that makes other people wealthy. Wealthy now and wealthy in the age to come. And secondly, if they are the kinds of people that God has blessed materially and many Christians are wealthy and we thank God. Some of us are wealthier than we think we are. They leave out the implications. If God could make us rich in Christ, then the material substances that I have, I should give to others. Not 
because I want their honor, but because I want to be rich towards God and for their own benefit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the enormous blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the riches of your mercy. We thank you for the riches of your grace. And Lord, we just ask that we as Christians will not be motivated by the things that the world is motivated by. Help us that we will see the wealth that we already have. And that as wealthy people, we will not live as people who are poor. Help us, O oh God, for those of us who are not blessed with material wealth in this world, to see again the wealth that you've given us, to spread the message that could make people, even though they are not wealthy in this world, they can be the inheritors of the whole world. Help us, Lord God Almighty, not to distort the faith, not to wander from the faith because of the mockery that serving another God like money can make it. Help us to repent of such actions. Help us to invest in the kingdom so that we can lay hold of what is truly life. We ask all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church Love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.